Zero, ten, nine. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, six, two, one, zero. Welcome to the Alien Pro Podcast. It is Saturday, November 18th, 2023. I'm Doug. Joining me today again is Deb. How's it going, Deb? It's going good. Got my dog right Apparently here. Max is here. Got, How... got the invalid right here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what happened to Max. Max at some point either sustained an injury or just had degenerative disc disease. The last vertebrae in his spine was damaged. Caused a slipped disc, so we <laughs> had some surgery done. It's been a couple dollars. And um, <laughs> Max is now on the road to recovery. He's got pins and plates and fusion That's and fun. cement. And that is so fun. Now he has to has to be taken outside to pee on a leash. So when it's raining, guess who gets to go out in the rain and watch a dog pee? That's great. But we're. And we're doing good. He's doing his, well, though. His reverse doesn't work well yet, so he's, he's kind of stuck. stuck right here. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get started. We're talking about George Adamski and his book, Flying Saucers Have Landed. This is the second episode. Hi. Second episode of the uh, of the discussion. The first episode we talked about his biography, where he came from. He was born in Poland in uh, 1891. The book was uh, written in 1953, and... Some may wonder why I, I'm going down the rabbit hole somewhat of UFO history because, and we're going to be talking, uh, uh, in today we're going to be talking about a pile of sightings that happened throughout the years from I think the 1600s on. And we don't know any more today than we know then about what it is, Deb. No. We just keep waiting. <laughs> we just keep waiting for disclosure. It seems kind of surreal. Anyway, there's we got we're gonna put we're gonna put old George up on the screen here so we can see his smiling. Look at that! Wow. Look at George. That's a that's a that, movie star pose right that there. Is. That is and he with the finger and oh. he's got a he's got a pic. That's a picture of um, a UFO that he saw, and um, I don't think it's a drawing. It's a picture. I believe. And then um, he, uh, you know, as I said in the last episode, we kind of did his, and as we go along, we'll talk more about good old George. But flying saucers are everything except flying saucers, George says. <laughs> Bewildered, befuddled, and unimpressed, we turn to Washington, D.C. There, surely, the city of experts, we can find an expert who knows what this is all about. What do you think? <laughs> if we found an expert, then we would have a lot more explanation right now, wouldn't we? No, we got a lot of experts, and nobody's. Everybody thinks they they have an opinion. Oh yeah, tons of paper meet our eye. A vast and costly monument known as Project Saucer, which a few years ago was launched to find the complete and final answer. Project Saucer fizzled out, or was shelved. 
or sent in disgrace to the dungeons of the Pentagon for not giving the correct answers. There's been a lot of projects throughout the years, Dan. Have there? <laughs> Have and there? They keep kicking the can down the road, just calling it something else. That's you what know, government does. We love you know, the, an acronym. The latest beating arrow. It just cracks me up. And then NASA wants to get in. NASA wants to get in the act. Um, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we're going to need more money. We can. We're gonna, we'll work on it. But we need more money. Well, there's know. always more money. Or another, you know, billion dollars. Project Twinkle followed. Um, Project Saucer, um, with some humorous responsible for this name, Project And Twinkle. I thought it was Project Twinkie, which is even better. Twinkle. And Twinkie would be better. Mm-hmm. And vast quantities of paper were consumed. Many men did many things, so that from time to time the Pentagon could issue a new dogma to the faithful. Some of the dogmas thus issued... Okay. On mm. July 30th, 1952, General Samford of the USAA... Oh, U.S. Air Force, right? Army Air Force, Air Corps. That's that's all big name. Speaking, 80% of all objects sighted could be explained by natural causes, but 20% remain inexplicable. It's funny because now, today, when they do this, um, the inexplicable is like 2% or something. Okay, we've explained a lot more. But there's two. Well, we have technology where we can figure stuff out. What about the two? Exactly a month earlier, a Mr. Sid Eubanks had arrived in Enid, Oklahoma, white and shaking. He tells the police how an enormous flying saucer, 400 feet wide at least, swept down and almost blew his car off the road. And with its colossal exhaust blast, or backwash, General Sanford adds comfort. For there is nothing to fear. Flying saucers are definitely not a menace to America. Mr. Eubanks is comforted I'll by, see. you know, the general told him. And back then, the, you know, we used to listen to the, we used to listen to the government. Now it's kind of like when the government says it's nothing to worry about, well, then it's, we start worrying. It's time to worry. <laughs> A day before the general's announcement, the faithful are told that saucers are definitely not American secret weapons, but more likely spots before the eyes. Possibly a spot 400 feet long before Mr. Eubanks' eyes caused him to drive his car into a ditch. On September 25th of the same year, the Pentagon announces a breathtaking report expressing the belief that some flying saucers are interplanetary and may originate in outer space. The report they decided not to publish lest it cause too much public alarm. And what do you think if all of a sudden the government disclosed and showed us, they would have to show if they can't just tell us, <laughs> yeah. these spacecraft and some frozen, you know, non, they, we, we call them non, they're not ETs, they're non-human Some entities. people would lose their minds. Would and it, it would be scary because, you know, once you know they're, we've all seen, you know, in every movie when they want to come and take over Earth, everybody wants our Earth. But so. they're ready. Well, they, and there's some discussion, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm, uh, listening to Richard Nolan, one of his podcasts or one of the podcasts he was on, and it's you know that's what he says. He, they, we have the most beautiful. We we were looking at planets all over the place, and we seem to have the most beautiful, lush, right. green, water filled planet a, around. It's a nice planet. You know, so I mean, when we're searching for that planet that has all of this, you know, and it's, it seems to be a rarity. But they say the scientists say there's they're out there. Uh, the announcement adds that over 1,800 sightings have been examined. 1,800 sightings, exclamation point. 
At the time of first publication of the cloth-bound edition, this figure had risen to over 3,000. That's practically one for every day since Arnold first saw them. 1800 or not, the panic and possible alarm was swiftly allayed. Yeah, Kenneth Arnold was the first one that saw in 47. He saw the group of flying saucers. I think it was by Mount Rainier in Washington. Mm -hmm. And that's where we, even though they weren't saucers, what he saw were looked like a bunch of boomerangs flying around. But that's what we, that's what we, how we coined the phrase. There's some history for you right there. <laughs> November 12th came the final complete and official answer. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Exquisitely phrased by an official spokesman called Colonel Watson. Bunk! It's a lot of damn nonsense. They just don't exist, said the colonel to the faithful. He may, in keeping with the general mood of erud erudition, erud woo, erudition <laughs> and enlightenment, have added an anathema. anathema to heretics. Let all who believe to the contrary be damned for un-American activities. But I can find no trace of it. Well, then it must not exist. Yeah, they're not there. I mean, if Watson can't find it... He's only a colonel. Or maybe it was forgotten when at Christmas, six weeks later, the Pentagonist... I didn't know we called the Pentagonist. people the Pentagonist... found a heretic in their ranks, as General Samford hinted that landings by flying saucers were possible. At this stage, we would like to believe the Pentagonists alone and be troubled by them no more, for it seems we shall obtain little truth coherence or guidance from that modern tower of Babel. But the question is, will they leave us alone? What are they doing to us now? They're just flying around. No, I think he's talking about the Pentagonists. Oh, the Pentagonists. Oh, okay. It is doubtful for a long time various world powers have, despite their contradictions and denials, been doing their utmost to build a flying saucer of their own. If my information is correct, they may have nearly succeeded and constructing a modern imitation, that is to say, a near-circular circular arrow form, such as the Avro saucer, that will far exceed the performance of most existing aircraft. That never, that never really came to be. Wow. <laughs> Very well. What of it? Let them get on with it. Why confuse the issue? Only that we may be sure that if and when the existence of such an aircraft is announced... It will also be declared as the cause of the mystery all along. We shall be told that all flying saucers seen to date, with the exception of illusions, balloons, etc., were experimental prototypes and nothing more. So it was all us. It's all us. Well, there is a, there is a theory out there that a lot of these side we after forty seven, when Roswell happened, we reverse engineered and we actually were able to figure out. How to, it wouldn't look as cool and work as well mm -hmm. as theirs did. And they can't go 15,000 miles an hour, but there is an anti-gravity thing out there. But again, who knows? The pity is that many people will believe it. You know, I and if they just, I don't know if we talked about this before, but they just need to get the NHIs and the UAPs that we've found, put them in a museum, make us pay... <laughs> to go see him, you could probably solve the national debt by the people wanting to go see this. They they, they need to look at it in a different way. Yeah, just make a new Smithsonian. Yeah, okay. UFO Smithsonian Institution. It will sound so convincing. You, the public, have been seeing flying saucers. We, the powers, have been making flying saucers. That's right. What could be simpler? The two pieces fit together with the moronic neatness of the form and its carbon duplicate. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, neither I nor many saucer researchers will believe it. That's, wow, he's that's he's very skeptical. Maybe, well, he's, well, he should be. <laughs> so to safeguard the faithful from all duplicity, we shall now, with their indulgence, start going backwards through time. Back to when there was no Soviet Russia. There's no Soviet Russia now. No United States of America. Back to an age when there was actually was no Great Britain. Then back farther to when there was no Rome, no Greece, no ancient Egypt. Back and back until we're lost in the earliest midst of time. And what do we find there, Deb? The hazy outline of a prehistoric flying saucer. (gasps) Wow. Alas, no, we find instead the solid outline of wonderful vehicles, beautifully built, packed with power sources still unknown to us. We find, in fact, that space vehicles are not a product of the 20th century imagination, but have existed in human memory and records since our particular human family first began to think and to remember. If they were here and all that, why don't why didn't they just why they go into Did the asteroid take them out? Could well could be. It took <laughs> well, out the I mean, dinosaurs. I'm not sure he how he went back in time to you know. Well, he's con- conjecture oh. that the Atlantis that you oh, know okay. you know about Atlantis that yeah. was part of a, and and earlier. Okay. Well, you know my theory that the moon was drunk here from another from a dying planet yeah. filled with people and put in. Why are you looking at me so scared? So, it's back. (laughs) So, if the flying saucers are the experimental craft of modern governments, that's not funny. Then we can only (laughs) say that they have been experimenting a very long time. Wow, he's got some serious weird ideas. What? No, he's. We shall not go back too far at first, AD 1290. It's a good place to begin as any. We have. On our right, ladies and gentlemen, an old manuscript. There's some Greek here. You'll have to translate it. Uh Discovered at Ampleforth Abbey in January 1953. I'm assuming this is England. Which gives a very clear account of a flying saucer passing over the startled community of Balin Abbey in Yorkshire. Yeah, we're not going to read the Greek. Here's all I get the translation. Yeah, AX Chumley, that's the translation. Who supplied this information gives the following translation. Took the sheep from Wilford and roasted them on the feast of SS Simon and Jude. But when Henry the Abbot was about to say grace, it sounds like a limerick. John, <laughs> one of the brethren came in and said there was a great portent outside. Then they all ran out and lo, a large round silver thing like a disc flew slowly over them and excited the greatest terror. Whereat, Henry the Abbot immediately cried that Wilfred was an adulterer. Wherefore, it was impious. Impious. Impious to 33. These seven incidents are reprinted from the kind permission of the editors of Time and Life International, published May 5th, 1952. Copyright Time Incorporated with acknowledgments to H.P. Derrick. Yeah, yeah You're supposed to say that really fast, like oh, they do in all the... Yeah, and Robert Jenner. There is a remarkable similarity in this report to that sent to the editor of the London Observer on March 23rd of 1953 by Bruce Angrave. MSIA, who also saw a large round silver thing like a disc pass slowly over Milan Cathedral on November 2nd, 1952. 
And there are several hundred other modern reports that use exactly the same phrase for describing the appearance of a flying saucer. A large, round, silver thing. It's kind of weird. Like today, there's a lot more triangles and mm-hmm. spheres. So I don't know if, what's, if they're evolving. Yeah, or they're, they're changing. They're getting cooler. And in December of 1952, a photograph of one was taken in Bulawayo. Yeah. Bulawayo, sorry. Southern Rhodesia. That certainly fills the description given by the terrified, sex-scandalized monks of Pilate in 1290. Oh, the poor monks. (laughs) It is a pity the rest of the manuscript is missing. I longed to hear what Brother Wilford had been up to and what the abbot thought would (laughs) be impious. Yeah, he doesn't really care about the UFOs. He just wants to know what the monks did. What probably happened is that a flying saucer did in fact pass over Bayland Abbey at the close of the 13th century and that the astute... Abbot Henry seized the opportunity to admonish Wilfred for his carryings on and the community for their lack of piety. you got to believe in your God, man. <laughs> Whenever something inexplicable happens, the zealots of each aids take it as a sign of celestial umbrage and hasten to warn their erring brethren, just as the Dutch pastors were swift to declare the recent catastrophe a direct retribution for the sins of their sheep. Oh, sheep don't <laughs> sin. Oh, Lord. The sins of their sheep. Um, I think wow. they mean more like their um, followers as opposed to their actual. Oh, oh okay. Actual. Oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Whereas like had they the other way was interesting. <laughs> because sheep are very simple. <laughs> Whereas had they suggested it could have been the inevitable result of nuclear necromancy in another part of the globe, they might have come nearer to the truth. They didn't even know there was a globe. Well, of course they did, because we've always known, because, you know, we've been here forever. And, this you know, was, there's a map. I mean, there's a map. This is way before Columbus, dude. I know, but there was maps, man. Yeah. You know, how they do that, we don't know. Our next exhibit is an old print showing the startled inhabitants of Devon gazing skywards at a neat V-shaped formation of dark elliptical objects, rather like tadpoles, with fins or streaming exhausts that passed over Devon in 1704. These things are not meteors, northern lights, nor comets. They are shown as dark, solid objects, flying in formation in broad daylight. So they have exhaust? Yeah, that, okay, yeah. See, you, yeah, you're on my... You're, yeah, they, they have combustion engines? Yeah, you're on my side okay. in that. They don't, they're not air breathe. should not have air-breathing engines. Well, maybe they sent those just to make us feel better. Yeah. Maybe that's who taught us how to make the combustion well, maybe engine. Maybe it's us from the future, and we brought back the ones that spew gas. And now, please, step into the 17th and 18th century galleries of the Flying Saucer Museum, where we have an assembly of spacecraft of all different shapes, hues, and sizes, few of which can be glibly dismissed as meteors, aurora, or other natural phenomena. 17th and 18th century gallery. So we're going to talk about what happens, and then, you know, this hopefully won't be as boring as the Catalina Island thing. Nothing can. (laughs) Well, at least we feel a little butter this time. We're we're not sick. (laughs) 1619 in Fluland. Switzerland, enormous, long, fiery object seen flying alongside a lake by Prefect Christopher Shear. Did you leave that door open? Yeah. Okay. No, the spare bedroom door. Six, no. Okay. Or maybe you want to peek out there. 1661, huge flaming thing seen over Worcester, England. 1704, January 8th, strange lights over England. 
1704, November 4th, Switzerland. Luminous cloud moving at high velocity, disappearing behind the horizon. You got 1731. Okay. What happened between 1704 and 1731? Not a whole hell of a lot. December 9th, 1731, in Florence, Italy, strange globes of light in the sky. 1750, June, Edinburgh, Scotland, vast ball of fire moving slowly. April 15th of 52, 1752 that is, Stavanger, Norway, a strange bright octagonal light object. Well, this one wasn't spherical. Yeah, it's in octagonal. Again in 1752, Augur Menland. <laughs> Go there often. We're going to be we're struggling through these names. Spheres of fire emanating from a long bright tubular object. Tubular. Tubular. In 1755, on October 15th, in Lisbon, Portugal's immense bright flying globe seen many times. 1761, November 2nd, procession of immense globes across Switzerland. Switzerland's getting some play There's here. a lot going on in Switzerland. August 9th, 1762, at Basel, Switzerland, an enormous disc spindle-shaped object surrounded by a glowing outer ring seen slowly crossing the sun's disc by astronomers. De Rustin at Basel and Croste at Seoul. <coughs> wow. wow. Wow, that was hard. 1777, on June 17th, the French astronomer Charles Messier observes large number of dark round discs in the sky. 1779, on June 7th, Bologna, France. Bologna? Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to Salami. <laughs> Flight of numeric glowing discs pass over the city. And now we're in the 19th century gallery. This vast hall, ladies and gentlemen, which you are now see stretching away as far as the eye can see, is the 19th century gallery. Enter, if you will, and see saucers that came in such numbers to absorb, observe the Victorian age and industrial revolution. Exhibit one is dated 1802, February 7th, a dark disc. Crossing the Sun, seen by astronomer Fritsch at Magdeburg in central Germany. 1802, October 10th, another dark disk seen by Herr Fritsch. Well, Fritsch Whoa. is busy. 1808, October 12th, Pinerolo, Piedmont. <laughs> Luminous disks pass over the town. July 31st of 1813, Tottenham, Middlesex. Flashing lights in the sky. 1816 in Lisbon, Portugal, strange objects seen in the sky after an earthquake. In 1816 autumn, Edinburgh, Scotland, large luminous crescent or heel-shaped aircraft crossing the horizon. That's our second, second Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah. And in 1817, Palermo, Italy, a dark flying object that howled. Oh, it howled? It howled. Eight, uh, 1818, January 16th, astronomer Loft of Ipswich, England, observed strange object near the sun, visible for three and a half hours. Wow. 1819, spring, two dark bodies cross the sun together, observes astronomer Grutherson. Why are these names so hard back then? They made them easier now, huh? Yeah, I'm sure. 1820, February 12th, and April 27th, unknown bodies in the sky. September 7th of 1820, Enbrun, Southeast France, wonderfully 
even formations of flying objects across the town in straight lines, turn 90 degrees, then fly away again, keeping perfect formation. November 22nd of 1821, a luminous disc crosses the channel. What channel? Um, <laughs> some channel, the English channel. Some some channel in eight. Oh, big leaf just fell in eighteen twenty two. On October twenty third, astronomer astronomer Pastorf observes two unknown objects pass across the sun's disk. In eighteen twenty three, on May twenty second, astronomer Webb sees a bright shining thing near Venus. A thing. They're not doing any U.S. stuff. It's kind of like the U.S. not exist back then, right? When did we call it? Fourteen ninety two. Well, yeah, we existed because, you know, 1776, we, you know. Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah, we existed. We just maybe, we were busy trying to survive. Great history buff, 1492. 1826, on April 1st, April Fool's, Saarbrücken, France. A gray torpedo-shaped object seen rapidly approaching the Earth. Ah, 18... July 31st, 1826, unknown object seen by astronomers. I wish they put the location. Yeah. May 26th, 1828, disc crossing the sun seen through a telescope. In 1831, on September 6th to November 1st, Geneva, Switzerland, Dr. Wartman, that was an unfortunate name, that was easier. and his observatory <laughs> staff see strange luminous body night after night. It's not seen anywhere else on Earth. That's interesting. November 29th, 1831, Thuringia, Germany. <laughs> God, I wonder how these things are actually pronounced. A fiery disc was seen with the apparent size of the moon. That's a oh, big wow. disc. That's big. Uh, in, oh, look, we're here in America now. 1833, Toland, Ohio, a very brilliant object shaped like a hook. Oh, wow, that's weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird how ours don't get started. Ours didn't Tony, get started. We were going through a civil war and time. trying to, you know, people were busy. We don't have time to look at the sky. No, they didn't have time back then. <laughs> November 13th, 1833. Niagara Falls, USA. A large square luminous aircraft was seen for over an hour. Yeah, they were just talking about a square one that in the 70s it passed over. Uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base, and they had one of the uh, one of the security officers talk about. It. He didn't see it though. His guys yeah. see it. it's kind of weird because he's it's like he didn't actually see the thing, um, but his guys that work for him did. And he's trying to chase down the people that actually saw it. It was a big red square. It was a big red square, but it was almost like it was just a squ- the outline was a square and it was you could it was really it came slowly it came in really fast and stopped over the bay so they had nuclear weapons there so i think there's a tie-in november 5th 1833 in Ch- chile bright disc passes near the sun astner perif reports in 1834 two round objects of different sizes he sees them again in 1836 and 1837 Interesting. May 11th of 1835, a luminous disc seen by Cacciatore, a Sicilian astronomy. I've had chicken Cacciatore. Is that what that's spelled like? <laughs> I, think so. I think there's an A in Cacciatore as opposed to Cacciatore. <laughs> January 12th of 1836, in Cherbourg, France, a large luminous vessel hangs over the city. 
It rotates on its own axis and seems to have a hole in the center. It's a donut. Like a donut. It's not a donut. <laughs> and 1836, on May 15th, Professor Auber sees a number of luminous objects move away from the sun in different directions. So now the sun's shooting things out. It could be a solar flare. <laughs> Pastoriff, February 16th, 1837, sees more strange things flying around. Okay. In India, 1838, a flying disc with a long, glowing orange appendage. Ooh. Not appendages. Astronomer Glacier, on October 4th, 1844, reports luminous discs sending out quick flickering waves of light. On March 29th of 1845, in London, England... Statu stationary, statutory, statutory, <laughs> statutory orange object, like a, over that monk thing. like a luminous mist supported by four bright lights like stars. 1845, on May 11th, Signor Capacci of Capomonte Observatory in Naples sees a number of, of fly, shining disks flying west to east. Some are star-shaped, others have luminous tails. Oh, Max would like to have a luminous tail. Yeah, his tail's all. That's the other thing. The dog got his, all of his hair shaved off on the backside of him. He looks weird. He thinks he looks weird. We think it's okay. In 1845, on June 18th, three luminous discs rise from the sea and remain visible 10 mi minutes, half a mile from the ship Victoria, and they give some coordinates, which... We don't care. Uh, we're not going to read. They are described as being five times as big as the moon and appear to be connected by some kind of glowing streamers. They are seen simultaneously by many different observers as far apart as 900 miles. That's our first um, UF, USO out of the sea, right? Is it? Yeah. I yeah, that's so. what we, yeah. Sound like weather balloons to me, but yeah. Yeah. On July 25th, 1800, I wonder if they used those that back then. No. Maybe. Some balloons, but they were coming from under the no sea five times as big as the moon. There were no Mylar balloons back then. No. July 25th, 1845, in Florence, Italy, an enormous fiery disc riding overhead, many times larger than the moon. In 1845, on December 2nd, flaming lights seen far out to sea off Ryuk Fu, China. <laughs> Fu. Carry on. Oh, am I still going? October 26th of 1846. <laughs> I gave you a big assignment this time. In Lowell, Massachusetts, <laughs> a luminous flying disc from which fell a lump of most fetid smelling jelly, which was found to weigh 442 pounds. Holy. And was four feet in diameter. Wow. Uh, March 19th of 1847, in Holloway, London, England, a blazing spherical craft rises vertically into the Clouds. You didn't think that segment would ever end, did you? No, that was a long one. <laughs> In Inverness, Scotland, on September 19th, 1848, two large objects as bright as stars, sometimes stationary, sometimes moving at high speed. In Gase, Switzerland, 1849, thousands upon thousands of luminous objects seen by astronomer Inglis crossing a clear sky. Some had what appeared to be wings or a coronal glow. Autumn Deal, England, dark bodies in the sky. In 1850, on February 5th, in Sandwich, Kent, England, a speck of light slowly approaches on a straight course until it has become one-third the size of the moon. It then remains stationary for three minutes. June 6, 1850, 
Code, I don't know how to say it, Code d'Azur. I'm sure. Code d'Azur. Yeah, I'm sure that has a very pretty pronunciation <laughs> in France. A red globe crosses the sky, leaving a hail of sparks. It drops a dark object. What was it? Number two. Did anybody, did anybody <laughs> grab it? It's unfortunate sometimes. We're listened to all across the world, and then people go listen and. Yeah, the massive Maquanis of people listen to us. Uh-huh, right? but yeah. They're going to listen to us butchering us. We don't, we don't speak you the English. Yeah, we're just very Anglo-Saxon. Um, in England, on September 4th, 1851, as if interested by the great exhibition in Hyde Park, a vast host of luminous discs stream from the east and from the north. The procession lasts from 9.30 a.m. till 3.30 p.m. and are observed through the telescope of Reverend... W. Reed. September 11th of 1852, Fair Oaks, Staffs, England, between 4.15 a.m. and 4.45 a.m., several early morning risers see a strange luminous disk surrounded by a haze of corona near the planet Venus. Venus is at the point of closest approach to Earth at the time. Yeah, Venus commonly gets mistaken for Mm -hmm. UFOs. It's so bright. In May 22nd, 1853, three luminous objects near Mercury, one large and, and round, one cigar-shaped, and one small disc, reported by Mr. R.P. Gregg. Where is that? Oh, they didn't give the location. 1853, June 15th, the Lieutenant Gazette reports seeing a flying machine 50 years before the Wright brothers' first successful flight. Oh boy, Societe Meteorologique. Hey, I think I got I it. I think that's the Meteor- Meteorology Society of yeah. France. Oh, very nice. <laughs> July 9th, 1853. De Forte. Oh, excuse me. De France reported a great number of red points in the sky, like small suns. Ragusa, Sicily, October 26, 1853. A large, luminous disc seen moving from east to west at 2 a.m. Visible for two minutes, Two whole minutes. In 1855, on June 11th, a large, dark, aerial body seen without a telescope by astronomers Ritter and Schmidt. In 1855, on August 11th, in Petworth, Sussex, a glowing red disc, like a red moon, rises slowly, crosses the sky, and disappears in the distance. It has spokes like a wheel stationary rays projecting from it. It's visible for 90 minutes. Again, Venus is near to Earth. In Colmar, France, oh, that was an easy one, (laughs) April 6, 1856, Dr. Dussor saw a black flying torpedo. Oh, no, not a torpedo. Round on one end and pointed on the other. As it passed overhead, it gave off a low, Melodious whistling sound. Sounds like it was a torpedo. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it was like a, a missile. Like a rocket. In 1857, October 8th, in Illinois, mm-hmm. USA, just before an earthquake, a brilliant flashing light passes slowly across the sky to be followed by a loud explosion. <laughs> in astronomer Richard Carrington, on September 1st, 1859, saw two moving luminous bodies, not meteors, he says. His observatory was at Red Hill, Surrey. 1860, in the spring, large flights of small black discs seen by astronomers Herrick, Bies, Berlot, and De Cuppets. Berlot. 
<laughs> you don't know. <laughs> it's B-A-R-L-L-O-T, Barla. Okay. Barla, Barlow, Barlow, whatever. In 1860, <laughs> on July 20th, lights in the sky that appeared then went out following the fall of the Dermsala meteors. On April 27th of 1863, at the Zurich Observatory, Dr. Wolf sees a large number of shining disks coming from the east. Some have tails. Others are star-shaped. Oh, that's interesting. Like a fleet of them. In South England, on March 20th, 1864, an unknown object of vast size on October 10th. What was that? Oh, well, that was, uh, that's all you uh, got 1964. there. 1864. I guess it's a new one. October 10th, <laughs> oh, 1864. Uh-huh. Mr. Leverrier reports witness flight of a long, luminous, cigar-shaped body tapered at both ends. On November 6, 1866, a great, oh, a great, a red glowing disc seen for three minutes before it disappeared below the skyline. Seen by the British consul at Cartagena, 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 Colombia. Cartagena. Don't you remember that from the, was that the, the movie with Kathleen Turner and, oh, yeah, and they were in Cartagena. 1868, a shaft of light seemed to leave Venus on March 15th. Something similar was seen by Webb on April 6th. June 8th of 1868, at the Radcliffe Observatory in Oxford, observers see a luminous object that moves in the sky, halts, changes course to westward, then to south, then makes off to the north after four minutes observation. Venus near to Earth at the time, blazing red spot seen on Venus. This person drives like I do. West, south, north. Captain Banner. Oh, look, somebody went and took books out of the Benson's library. And the crew of the Lady of the Lake on March 22nd, 1870. Got some coordinates we won't read again. See an amazing object flying along under the clouds. It is circular. The rear hemisphere or trailing edge is surrounded by a fuzz or luminous band divided into four equal sectors. From the center extends a large curved tail. The object appeared flying against the wind and was visible until the dusk or clouds obscured it. Captain Banner made a drawing, which we don't need to see. We don't to see that. In, on August 1st of 1871, a tremendous red disc hovers over Marseille, France at 10.43 p.m. It is stationary until 10.52 p.m. Then it moves north for seven minutes, halts again, then moves east, disappearing at 11.30 p.m. Venus is again near inferior conjunction. I should know what that is. That's the part of a move-on thing that I need to be studying. You better be studying. (laughs) Failure test. I couldn't log in. It doesn't accept my password and my username, you know. I'm going to have to contact them. Uh, has it been six months? No, it has not been six months. <laughs> Astronomer Trovillet, on August 29th, 1871, in France, reports formations of a highly complex of highly complex objects, some triangular, some round, others many-sided. Some of them hover, then move off. One appears to go wrong, uh-oh, to fall, to crash. As it falls, it oscillates from side to side like a disc falling through water or like a flying disc that has suddenly lost its motive power. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic 
UFO, you know, they do this, and they when they're crashing, they lose their electromagnetic power or whatever. We don't know. Whatever Somebody knows. I don't <laughs> June 17th of 1873, fantastic glowing projectile shoots out from the planet Mars, oh Lord, and explodes on reaching Earth. Seen in Austria, Hungary, and Silesia is simultaneously, or oh, simultaneously, sorry, astronomer Guy, Gal, Gal, Guy, who observed <laughs> it by telescope, said it was seen to emerge and separate itself from the disk of the planet Mars. Dr. Sage at Ribnik, Poland, said that an object of some kind did, in fact, issue from Mars and explode in our upper atmosphere. He was observing the planet attentively at the time. He was attentive. So he knew this thing came from Mars? They said it, they all three said it came from Mars. Oh, that's wild. Yep. We're going to probably find something there. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, little green little, men shooting at us? I don't know. It's like a civil, you know, a civilization. You know, they probably, who knows if they came here because their planet was dying, it's hard to say. A bright star like vessel rises over Brussels in August 30th, 1873, gains height continuously for 10 minutes before disappearing. 1874, in April 24th, Professor Schafferick of Prague sees a dazzlingly bright object rapidly leaving the moon. And speed away into speed into space. Well, that's why there's no people there. They left. We are now about there's, mid. They were. There's still people in there. Well, I know that we don't. <laughs> we don't find people. There's nobody on the moon. We've been we, there. They scared us off. We went there the last time we were there. They told us to leave and never come back. They just no. They just told we, us straight said, up. Said they said, "Yeah, your golf." And we game. said, "Okay, that's it. We're not coming back. They now said, we're going." They said, "Your golf game sucks and stop hitting <laughs> golf balls on our moon." <laughs> We are now about midway through our Victorian gallery. The great exhibition has been closed some 20 years and the Crystal Palace re-erected on Sydenham Hill. Germany has invaded France and set its clumping boots inside Paris. Do you think the moon landings were faked? No. Do you? I don't know now. I saw why episodes of the Y Files and uh, it's... Uh, Usually he debunks it at the end, and yeah. he, you know he, he um, shows all these different things about how it was photographs that were and how they were faked, or little things you can see to show that they um, that they were not on the moon, like shadows and things. And uh, it got me to thinking. I always said there's no way that was faked. And now it just kind of calls into question. I don't know because we do all kinds of crazy things you know but i hope it's real you know that would be really disappointing of course then again how can you keep a secret like that it would change i mean we have used the phrase if we could put a man on the moon what would that do <laughs> that we, we and then can't. you find out that the, you find <laughs> all out, these years after we said that that we really can't and then you find out there is no sliced bread well you can see i'm wearing my spacex hat and stars the starship second effort of the starship got launched today and you know, it you didn't, it. it didn't, well, thank goodness YouTube is around because I got a chance to watch it and it, they, it blew up. It always blows up. <laughs> the last time they, well, last time they blew it up. I'm not, it's not clear whether we, they blew it up, um, that Elon pushed the button or whoever and, uh, or if it just crashed, but, um, I don't know. It was pretty, it's kind of funny that we can't make it to the atmosphere now. 
we did back in back in the sixties. We were much better people. Well, we did already launch Artemis, and it went around the moon. Well, supposedly, right? It went around the moon and came back, and we were, you know, we retrieved. You know, now we're going to put four people in this thing in twenty four, and they're going to fly around the moon in orbit and come back, and then in twenty five, that's when we're going to land. I think so. We'll see. Steam transport is at its zenith. Crawling railways are covering Europe like busy spiders. Speeds of 80 miles an hour have been reached in London, Scotland. Speeches are made against the monstrousness of this scandalous velocity. The human body is not made to withstand such speeds at 80 miles an hour. 50 years earlier, it was was said that it would disintegrate from the pressure of air if it exceeded 20 miles an hour. Meanwhile, in heaven, a huge projectile, super rocket, flying disc, or electric thunderbolt makes the journey from Mars to Earth in a matter of seconds. That's funny. A blazing thing leaves the planet Venus at time of close conjunction, and something tremendous, white and glowing, leaves the moon and speeds off into space. Yes. On April 10th of 1874, a traveling luminous object explodes over Kutenberg, Bohemia, lighting up the sky with a glare equal to the sun. On July 6th of 1874, in Oaxaca, Mexico, an immense trumpet-shaped object estimated by observers to be 425 feet long hangs in the sky for six minutes, swaying gently. Lene Scientifique reports a vast number of flying bodies passing and crossing the moon. There was much ado in heaven in 1874. Flying bodies? Flying bodies. Oh, <laughs> Ships. Just seemed flying. Not bodies. On Rossanau, Hungary, in April 10th, 1876, another violent explosion and glare in the sky. 1877, Bloomington, Indiana, September 7th. Flashing lights move through the sky, flashing at three to four second intervals. Also on 1877, in Vinay, Vincay, France, March 23rd, fiery spheres of dazzling brightness emerge from a peculiar-looking cloud and move slowly northwards for an hour. Inhabitants recall similar event ten years previously. On October 5th of 1877, in town Wales, apes... Peculiar luminous bodies fly around whales in perfect formation for several nights in succession. They appear to be appear to be ins- inspecting or charting the coastline. Inevitably, they end their body their activities by speeding out to sea. Well, this is more mirroring what's going on today. In 1878, in August, professors Swift and Watson report two luminous spheres moving between Mercury and the Sun. Astronomer Harrison, and associate on April 13th, 1879, see large luminous body the size of a comet, but too fast for a comet, visible for six hours. So it's, they watch it for six hours, mm-hmm. and it's too fast for a comet. It Did must it be going keeps, zigzagging yeah, around. Yeah, it's just spinning around. Yeah. 1879, Admiralty report by HMS Vulture. On May 15th in the Persian Gulf, vulture of two, oh, excuse me, two colossal rotating luminous wheels, which sink slowly down from just above the surface until they disappear into the depths. 1880, 
uh, August 20th. Brilliant white gold cigar with pointed ends observed by M. Trecoul of the French Academy. A smaller object is later seen to leave the parent craft, creating a trail of sparks in its wake. The sparks thing, I'm not... Yeah, yeah no, there should be no sparks. Yeah. July 30th, 1880, in St. Petersburg, Russia. Large, circular, luminous vessel followed by two smaller ones moving nimbly along a ravine. It's visible for three minutes and disappears silently. In 1882, on July 3rd, in Lebanon, Connecticut, two luminous triangles on moon's upper limb. Three minutes later, two dark triangles appear on the lower limb, approach each other, meet... Also in 1882, in Greenwich Observatory in England, on November 11th, a tremendous green disc, estimated at 40 to 100 miles in height. 200 miles. 200 miles. It's big. Wow. With remarkable dark markings down the center, with a mottled appearance, definite in form like a torpedo, magnificent luminous mass shaped like a torpedo, dark nucleus, definite structure appeared to be a definite... Definitely, 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 definite body, too fast for a cloud, but nothing could be more unlike the rush of a meteor, says various observers. Seen also in Holland and Belgium. That's crazy. On April 15th and 25th of 1883, formations crossing the sun seen at Marseille, France. Uh, And then on August 12th, 1883, Observatory of Zach. Mexico, astronomer Bonilla sees 143, how did he count them? Circular objects with projecting streamers or rays crossing the sun obliquely to its poles. The next day he looks again and the procession is continuing. He managed to obtain a photograph of one as it streams past. Also in 1883, on August 29th, Captain Noble at 10.35 p.m. sees a blazing object like a new and glorious comet with a beam like a searchlight shining out from the nucleus. You notice the descriptions are getting longer. Yeah. A little bit longer. Yeah. Just as I get two short ones. Um, in Liverpool at 12.40 p.m. on August 29th, I've got a couple in 1883 here, um, it is seen again looking like a large planet with a ray of light shining from it. Also in 1883, September 12th and 13th, it's, it is seen by Professor Swift at Rochester, New York, in the United States. And September 21st of 1883, it appears over Yeovil, England. In 1883, on November 2nd, a similar object over Puerto Rico moving to Ohio. It's interesting. From Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico to Ohio. moving to Ohio, USA. In, 18, it's moving up. in 1883, on November 5th in Chile... A glowing disk the size of a full moon passes slowly over Chile, visible for half an hour. Lots of 1883. I know. What Um, else happened in 1883? On November 12th, there were reports of comet-like objects with two tails or beams of light projecting forward and astern, visible for three nights running. There was no known comet at the time. In 1884, on February 7th, that's my birthday, Brussels Observatory. For anybody who wants to send in some <laughs> yeah, no, presents. Everybody who wants to know. <laughs> extremely bright point of light on planet Venus. Nine days later, it moves out from the planet. Also in 1884, on July 3rd, a bright globe the size of the moon with structural features. Seen moving slowly over Norwood, New York in the U.S., 
It is surrounded by a coronal ring and had two dark lines crossing the nucleus. 1884, on July 26, the same or similar vessel remains stationary over Cologne, Germany, then rises vertically till it disappears. Wow. July, oh, two times in the month. February 24th of 1885, there's some coordinates there I'm not going to read. <laughs> Captain of the ship Innerwich sees a huge fiery mass appear immediately overhead, completely blinding spectators. It falls into the sea alongside the ship with a deafening noise. Were you really deaf? Huh? Casting up and huge blind. water spouts and practically capsizing the ship. Well, that was a good one. It must have been a big whale. Have to run those coordinates, see where that is. It's a big whale. In the middle of this. It's a whale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the debunker. Debbie the debunker. That's right. You, that's going to be your... Debunker Debbie is going to be your name. August 22nd in Saigon, Cochin, China. 1885. Bright red disc moving slowly at even for slowly at even speed for eight minutes, disappearing behind a cloud. Next year in 1886 on September 30th in Yalolio, yeah, huh. a, a huge glowing disc the size of a full moon floats serenely northwards, closely followed by a formation of smaller ones. Also in 1886, November, well, 1886, November 3rd, Hamar, Norway. Hamar, probably. Bright, round, cloud-like object passes across the sky, emitting streaks of fire and flashes of light. It retained throughout the original form. Its original form. August 19th of 1887. In Marseille, France, a round vessel one-tenth of the sun's diameter near the sun's limb, observed independently by astronomers Cod and Payen, during a solar eclipse. Observers in other places did not see it, indicating the object was nearer to Earth than the sun. What are the sun's limbs? I don't know. Okay. Should have researched that before I got going. Oh, well. That's what we do. Where are they? When were they getting these records? You know, from various places where he is. This is this well, is he did this Adamski research, did the research. So he's, he's pulling this together. Um, on March 9th, 1887... Um, two flying round bodies appear over the Dutch ship JPA. That's all it's called, JPA. Mm -hmm. John Paul Anderson, I don't know. Once, one was luminous, the other dark. One fell into the sea with a roar and tremendous splash. Wow. Well, you know, the new USOs, undersea under uh, flying, unidentified sea objects, submersible objects, whatever, they get into the, their median you know, they go from the sky to mm -hmm. the, and they don't even, they go in the water and they don't even splash. Okay. Well, these are splashing. I mean, they showed that. I think the Tic Tac thing um, showed the, yeah. um, I believe that was that video or another video I saw where I, my, I think it was another video where it went into the water and it just, you could kind of see it under the water. Who knows with, yeah. you know, special, you know, CGI now. Now everything's fake. The whole world <laughs> is fake. It's We're all simulation anyway, it's, right? It's all artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah. On November twelfth of eighteen eighty seven, huge fiery sphere. Big ball. Huge fiery sphere disc rises. That's a lot of descriptions. Rises from the sea near Cape Race, moves against the wind close to the British ship Siberian, then moves away again. It's visible for five minutes. The captain says he has seen a similar occurrence at the same spot sometime before. On November 3rd, 
1888, something passes over Reading and Berkshire, causing sheep to panic and break <laughs> loose over a 200-square-mile area. High-speed sound waves have a similar effect on animals. Wow. Poor sheeps. Next year, in 1889, in Twickenham, England, cigar-shaped object descends slowly in a storm and explodes. <laughs> but there's no traces of it. No. In... Graham Grahamstone, South Africa, on October 27th in 1890, body of cometary brightness. Oh wow! Moves through a hundred degrees in moves through a hundred degrees in 45 minutes. Observed astronomer Eddie Eddie. Needs to say 1891, <coughs> September 10th. Similar object seen by Professor Copeland again in Dreyer, at Armagh Observatory in North Ireland. Oh, we got Ireland in there now. In 1891, in October, in the China Sea, more revolving shafts of light or wheels seen on the sea. In April 4th of 1892, a large black disc rises slowly, or slowly crosses the moon, seen by Dutch astronomer Mueller. In Val de la Haye, France, on March 7th in 1893, a luminous streamlined construction shaped like an elongated spear seen by astronomer Raymond Colon in 1893, May 25th, HMS Carolyn between Shanghai and Japan sees the formation of flying discs flying slowly northwards. They pass between the ship and a mountain 6,000 feet high. Observation through telescopes shows them to be a reddish colored and emitting brown smoke trails seen for two hours. In... May 26th of 1893, seen again by the same ship. At one time, the disc passed low behind a small island. HMS Leander also sees them and alters course to investigate. It's visible for over seven hours. Wow, it's crazy. At Lanthomas, Wales, is that Lanthomas? Lanthomas, Wales, in uh, 1894, on January 25th, a disc passes overhead, lighting up the countryside with a glare like daylight. Loud explosion follows, seen and heard in Hereford, Worcester, and Shropshire, 1894, the same year, August 26. North Wales, Admiral O'Manny reports a large glowing flying disc from which projected an orange exhaust flame, the shape of an elongated flatfish. Good old flatfish. On May 6th of 1895, Venus again, dazzling bright spot on the planet's disc. In 1895, on August 13th, Professor Barnard sees that spot has moved out from Venus and is traveling away in space. Yeah, you're all 1895. Oh, wow. August 24th, Venus close to Earth, a luminous disc seen over Donegal, Ireland. On August 31st, Dr. Murray writes from Oxford of a bright disc, brighter and considerably larger than Venus, rising over some treetops and flying eastwards. On September 3rd, the same object is seen at Scarborough, York's. It moves evenly and leisurely. It's leisurely. Leisurely. It's hanging out. There was a long black torpedo on June 27th, 1896. Of course there was. It crossed the moon's disk in four seconds. Same year on July 13th. Luminous body moving towards Saturn at a good rate after passing several other stars. It was reported by an amateur astronomer in England. 
These are all 1896. I had a lot of sightings. July 31st, Smith Observatory reports dark circular disk crosses the moon in four seconds. On December 11th, luminous disk travels over, over Worcester, lighting up the area so one could have picked up a pin, wow. reports Dr. Charles Davidson. That's an interesting That's very light. Okay, uh, and now I'm in 18, 1897, yep. February 10th, something explodes in the air over Madrid, Spain. Debris falls, windows smashed, walls cracked. For five hours, a glowing cloud of debris hangs over the city where the thing exploded. There's panic in the streets. That could be a meteor. Holy crap. Yeah, in weird. April, an airship over Kansas City. Huge, would you stop <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> God. I twitched my finger. Now I'm stuck. Huge. Huge searchlight shining downward. Seen over Chicago on the 11th. Seen at Benton, Texas on the 16th with green and red taillights. Wow. From other Texas towns, it is reported as cigar-shaped with enormous projections, brilliantly illuminated by the beams of two powerful searchlights. Venus again near Earth. We have a lot of... Talk about Venus here. All swelling Venus. Yeah, it may have something to do with, you know, the brightness of Venus. Also in 1897, on April 20th, an airship is over Sisterville, Virginia, flashing bright red, green, and white lights. Described as a huge conical ship, 180 feet long, with fins on either side. No balloons known to be airborne at any of these times or places. Also in 1897, was busy in 1897. Yes, it is. Also, where did I go? You're the July 29th, I think. Strange object photographed in Ohio. There's no oh, further was, description of that. That was really worth getting into. Huh? <laughs> um, on September 12th, aerial explosion over Yarnell, Arizona. And now we're in 1898. On June 3rd, in England, two luminous disks united or flying close together and visible for six minutes. 1899, on March 2nd, a luminous disc over El Paso, Texas. Also in, well, no, we're in, yeah, also in 1899, on March 8th, it is seen at Prescott, Arizona, traveling with the moon all day. Seen earlier on, very near the moon. 1899, October 28th, Luzarches, France. Luminous disc, the size of the moon, rises over the horizon. Watch for 15 minutes before it diminishes to a bright speck. Well, we're going to wrap it up Okay, right we there. Got, we got through the 18, 1800s. We were 2023. You do the math. Uh -oh. I mean, oh, no, they were 1952. I don't do math. <laughs> it wouldn't be today because they wrote this in 1952. And yes. Probably earlier. So uh, we're on the next episode, we'll be plowing through more of these, and then we'll move on to other subjects. That's not the entire... Uh, book. So we thank Mr. Adamski and we appreciate him putting this together. He has a couple books. We'll just go for this one right now. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook. Check out our website at alienprobe.net. Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. Like and subscribe at Alien Probe Podcast. Thanks again, Deb. Appreciate it. And um, watch the skies, and we'll see you next time.